we talked to over 150 people different in interviews of like 20 minutes to an hour. That's one of the things we did. We just talked to so many people uh, and we got enough funding to bootstrap building the technology and built the prototype uh, and, and went from there. Those were the steps, I think, initially that mattered the most. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Awesoming's podcast, where we highlight people pursuing their definition of, you guessed it, awesome. So buckle up and get ready for some more success story adventures and failures from Kentucky's tech and entrepreneur community. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Awesoming Podcast. I'm currently sitting here in the Batcave with my partner in crime. This episode, it's Robin, a.k.a. Richie Hoagland, who is a longtime Lexington entrepreneur, startup community member. I've known him since I was in college, actually. I don't know if you remember that. I you probably do not, don't. actually. Yeah, it's okay. But- you, you spoke to Dima's class once or twice? Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. I was a troublemaker, and you you gave me a finger wag, but you really didn't do that, actually. Um, Richie is, I think, the first person that has been in our fellowship program twice, and so this is uh, to highlight some of the companies that were announced to be a part of the 2022 April Fellowship Cohort. Richie's company he is now focusing on building is VR Together, and I will be honest, I've seen Ready Player One, and that is about all I know about the VR experience. So you are about to school me, and I can't wait to learn. So Richie... Fair enough. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Richie, why don't you uh, give a quick introduction of who you are and some of your previous previous background in the startup scene and any of the fun entrepreneurial stuff that you've done and been a part of, and uh, we'll get... We'll get into the the nitty gritty of what you're doing currently here in a little bit. Um, yeah, happy to. I realize that it's been it's been some time, so I'll try to be succinct about it. <clears throat> so I've been around for ten years, I guess, in the entrepreneurial scene in Lexington. Um, right now, working on VR together, uh, designed to reduce isolation and loneliness in senior citizens through evidence based virtual reality. Been working in virtual reality almost 10 years now. No, I think it's been 10 years. Got started around 2012 with the DK1. If people hearing know what that is, then you were probably there in the same days. I think we bought it off Kickstarter. Um, at the time, I was making independent video games. Had done that since graduating from college. That's how I got to know the Awesome Inc. folks. Um, I think my first experience was actually Startup Weekend. You were not there. I was, but, I was not. But if you remember to ask, uh, I think maybe Brian Rainey or Brian Luffman, who might have been a judge. So at the time, I, st- I started an uh, indie game company in town called Super Soul with a guy named John Meister. And we presented a video for our company without any like context to anybody in the room that was this absurd minute and a half video we didn't even know that many people. And so we had no idea if it was going to completely bomb. And I just remember at the end of it, everybody was in silence. And then Brian Luffman said, I don't know what that is, but I love it. <laughs> like, all right, that works. Um, yeah, so born and raised in Lexington, Kentucky, went to the University of Kentucky, got a art degree there, worked in a research lab there, which was a lot of fun for a year or two. Then started making independent video games, started making virtual reality games. And here I am with VR Together. I, I want to see this video. That's the one thing that came to mind. So actually, I had John uh, John in college for a semester years ago. We were doing video game design. Nice. 
much much respect for what y'all do. It's yeah. it's incredible. It blows me away. We uh man, we we used it wasn't Unity, but it was the most bare bones um tool to to create games. Yeah, we, we were essentially just making like stick people that can jump up to different levels. I forget what it was, but it, I mean that's not far, you know, that's not too far off. Uh, just give like a weapon and Yeah, that's true. But again, it gave me a new perspective because not many people probably know knows what goes on into creating a game. So yeah, great to hear that you can, you've had some experience. You you didn't go too too much into the weeds with your first company, which I'm going to pull the car over and I'm gonna stop. Can you talk a bit about Ralph VR and what you accomplished with your first company? And then we'll again we'll we'll pivot into talking about VR together. This is also yeah. good for me to know because we've known each other for so long. And like, I know the name, but like, I, I could use a refresher. Yeah, uh, happy to. And also, I'm going to tell you a story because um, I think it's it's kind of an interesting story, if I can tell it right. Please. Um, and so in 2015, uh, I was at a game developers conference <clears throat> and several have had this experimental game where you race controllers w- with controllers. We like hacked Xbox 360, 360 controllers to control it with other controllers Anyway, and this is not made up. So I was stressed out for like two days because it wasn't delivered right when we shipped the stuff to San Francisco and then flew out there. So I was I was stressed out and finally got it up and running. And the first hour of when the expo opened, I saw it wasn't crashing and burning. So that was the first time I stepped away and I went to get a coffee and I grabbed a coffee and I turned around and there's a sign that said John Carmack talking about virtual reality. And if anybody knows if they're in the into gaming, John Carmack's a very famous and well-known figure in video game. He he was a programmer on the original Doom. He's got algorithms named after him. He uh, he's a uh, has legendary stories about like, rewriting an entire game engine in in one uh, weekend, just fueled by Diet Coke. Anyway, so I stepped in with my coffee and listened to the whole talk, and and he basically outlined what was happening with the purchase of Oculus by Facebook. I think it had just happened. It's like, all right, I'm sold. I'm going to, I'm going to jump into it. Cause there's a competition. So we entered this competition. Uh, it's the Oculus international competition with this prototype called daydream blue ended up winning gold prize, which was, uh, unexpected, but amazing. Uh, went out to an incubator boost VC in California. Uh, after we, we got that prize applied, went out there and, uh, launched daydream blue on gear VR, uh, launch title on day, Google Daydream. Did that for about a year on various devices. And um, yeah, ran, ran Ralph VR for a while, started doing a lot of work for other people, developing virtual reality applications for them. During that whole time, uh, had developed a multiplayer addition to Daydream Blue. So at first you could hang around with your pet robot, spend time by the lake. The multiplayer addition, you could do that with your friends. And um, that... I didn't know at the time, but ended up being the influence and the motivation and everything that's got me where I am to get with VR together, because I was always fascinated by that ability to connect to somebody else across distance in a way that I felt like I was near them, which wasn't something I felt, you know, with a Zoom chat or a telephone call. Um, And I guess I should also add, I've traveled a lot. I love traveling. Um, So I spent a lot of time calling people or emailing people, you know, being halfway across the world. Uh, I had my 22nd birthday on an airplane going to Japan from Europe by myself. Uh, so like I felt that, you know, distance and it was just, it was amazing to feel that connection. That's wow. I feel like that could be in another, another episode in and of itself. Yeah. Your 22nd birthday. Okay. Wow. 
That's a I think it was 22nd birthday. Okay. Yeah. Maybe 23rd, but I'm, now, now I'm pretty, yeah, it was 22nd. <laughs> Cause I think I didn't even realize I was like, Oh, this is the first time I had a birthday that I'm never going to, I'm not going to talk to anybody all day that I know because well, one it's a 13 hour plane ride. And two is the time difference. When I land, by the time I get somewhere, it'll be everyone else that in the States the will be asleep. Day. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So Richie, tell me this, what, what is satisfying about being an entrepreneur? So you just, you highlighted what you accomplished with, with Ralph Yar and things that people hear and they're like, Oh, he made it. What's satisfying about being an entrepreneur that caused you to, to pivot from Ralph VR to say, Hey, I realize there's a problem. We'll, we'll get to what you're solving with VR together that you've wanted to start a second company and that you've wanted to focus on another problem entirely. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, full disclosure, I, I got a bachelor of fine arts degree in college and had no entertained, no notion of starting businesses. And the first business I, I co-founded <laughs> the decision was to start. It was, um, how do we get paid when we release this game? Oh, if we create an LLC, then the LLC gets the money and then we can pay ourselves as opposed to one of us getting paid and then trusting them to pay the other one. Um, but over the years, what I found is, uh, one, you can chart your own course. I think that's the first thing that I really enjoyed um, was the to go your own way. Um, the problem solving is fun. There's always a lot of challenges and a lot of problems to solve. But to your question about starting another company, I feel like when it all came together was the realization that I could take the skills and knowledge that I had and apply it to something that I was passionate about, which I, I also would say, and I think anybody says this, you need because it's a, it could be a haul at times, um, a tough grind at times, but to have that passion combined with that specialization and interest and to do something about it um, is incredibly compelling, motivating. And then when it, when you start to see that happen and, and start to see other people sharing your vision when you share with them, it's a, it's a pretty incredible, I guess, an empowering process. And you start to turn something from an idea or a vision or something that you, you think could be into something that exists. Uh, it's the whole thing is, is fascinating. <laughs> no, that, that's super cool. And, and speaking of solving problems and, you know, I, I actually off the cuff, I love that you said the, the bit about, oh, I got a fun arts degree, then figured, hey, how am I going to pay myself? Like that's, yeah. <laughs> that's real life. <laughs> and I don't think people often hear that enough. So, so thanks for saying that. And talking about fascinating and, and solving problems, you, you were pretty candid. What was it back in tw early 2021 when you were saying, hey, my mom's, my mom's older and community has been awful for her during the last couple of years. Talk about, talk about how that one specific family problem really, really kickstarted this idea for virtual reality for a demographic of people. Yeah. So 2021 and, or maybe even 2020, I was doing research about social isolation and loneliness, looking to write a SBIR grant to fund some sort of research into virtual reality for loneliness. I'm reading all of the, the health and economic effects of this. I'm also calling my mom most every day at, at that point, or no, every day, because uh, it was early enough in the pandemic that everybody was pretty much isolated and, and she was living alone. Um, so it was, yeah, I really wanted to, to help in some capacity, especially when I read about all the effects and they could see that first firsthand. And going back to what I said earlier about uh, multiplayer virtual reality and that, uh, the impact it made on me with how you felt close to somebody, 
that was, I guess, the kind of defining moment to realize, can we take that and help, you know, can it, can I, can it help reduce some of this isolation and loneliness my mom is, is experiencing right now and then do that for all these other folks? Then started to realize, re, read into the statistics about uh, the older older adults realizing this this could potentially solve or or mitigate isolation and loneliness for this group, and then having it be personal, um, seeing it firsthand and wanting to do something about it, is the was the the kind of crux or that moment of epiphany or whatever you want to call it um, that got it all started. So, what does it look like from? You just mentioned an epiphany. What does it look like as an entrepreneur going from this? euphoria of, oh, I have something to actually executing and finding one, how to make money, but two, realizing I need to figure out how many other people I can help that might have the same problem. So what were some of the first steps you took to really getting VR together off the ground to be, to be, a, to be a business that offers a solution? Yeah, I, you know, I would, I would start by actually thanking or comment or, or mentioning other folks. Um, that were crucial in it. So uh, my friend Dmitry Strakovsky at the University of Kentucky and is now part of uh, part of VR together as well, um, helped a lot in figuring all of these things out and and uh, connecting me with folks at the University of Kentucky to look into doing some research. So we really got our start getting a, the NSF National Science Foundation SBIR grant which gave us funding to start building VR together. But we also realized that, frankly, government funding is fantastic. It's non-dilutive, meaning they don't take equity, but it's, it's slow. It's a lot slower than you want to run as a startup. So we, okay, we have this idea. We've done some research into the market. We know how to build it, and now we have some funds to build it. We know how to build it because I've been building VR stuff for 10 years now. Um, but that's, you know, there's a lot of steps between that and and the first version of the product. Um, so along with that funding, we raised some friends and family funds that got us that got us started building before the grant funding came in. Uh, that allowed me to bring some folks on board, artists, a software developer. Then it was applying for more grant funding from the from the state. We got some funding from the uh, state of Kentucky matching funds grant. Um, we actually. Uh, okay, this we actually won an award by Meta. Um, Meta, as in Facebook? Yeah, yeah, we won fifty five thousand dollar award for our, our augmented up. reality um, prototype with Meta. So that brought in some more funds, um, and yeah, it's just everything between that and and getting the first customers. So building the team out. We've got Al Baker now, who is the technical lead. We are about to bring on our networking lead, which we're really exciting about because he's been developing Unity networked applications for 10 years. We brought on our artists. We've got pilots lined up now, you know, learning about the process of working in this field. So my background has been in virtual reality. There was a lot to learn about senior care, about healthcare. Um, We've been, you know, taking all of those steps, but it takes time to figure all of that out, develop partnerships and relationships. I could, I mean, I, I guess I could just list things for the next hour about what we've been doing over the past six or nine months to move from, okay, we got a grant to where we are now. And then all the things that we're going to continue to do for the next year. 
and the year after that and the year after that. But hopefully that all answers your question, because I've honestly talked enough that I somewhat forgot the specifics <laughs> of the question you asked, but I'll stop there and no, we can go on. That, that was great. That was great. So again, just 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 for for your clarity, was asking about being an entrepreneur and that those those first couple of steps that help you A, do some customer discovery and B realize, hey, I have a viable solution. Let's move forward. So Oh, let me give you a really succinct name. We Perfect. talked we talked over 150 people different in interviews of like 20 minutes to an hour. That's one of the things we did. We just talked to so many people uh, and we got enough funding to bootstrap building the technology and built the technology, built the prototype uh, and and went from there. Those were the steps, I think, initially that mattered the most. That was succinct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let me let me ask this. Most people, I shouldn't say most people. I know jack squat about VR. I know what those two letters mean. I, I understand the idea. What does it actually look like to to teach someone about virtual reality to get them fitted with the right equipment and then have them be on their merry way so they know how to use your product? Yeah, um, I know this fairly intimately because right now I'm going into senior care facilities and talking about it and giving presentations and lining up and beginning our pilots. So just two days ago, I gave a presentation to 70 um, older adults and asked them to raise their hand. Most people had heard the term when I said, keep your hand up if you could describe it to somebody else. I think two hands remain. As far as it goes, uh, teaching somebody how to use it, I, gu I guess I'll give you two answers. Um, for us, because of our age group, but let, me, let me actually step back a moment. So what we've also learned from talking to hundreds of folks, and not just in senior care, but in a lot of different um, areas, that what I've realized, what we've realized as a team, that we, we could identify as vulnerable groups. So these are these are individuals, whether it's children in hospital, seniors in senior care facilities, they have a different uh, level of concerns and challenges that face them than somebody that's generally using virtual reality in their home. Uh, so what for us specifically, it's a little bit of a different answer about what we are do to prepare somebody to use VR than say if somebody was going into Best Buy to check out the technology. Um, for us, we have built a a, a tablet interface that allows staff to facilitate that with them and offloads a lot of the friction and the challenges to other individuals than the vulnerable individual is a senior citizen because they're not familiar at all with the technology. So for them, you put the headset on their head, they're ready to go. Um, and that's, and that's it. There's controllers. We, everything we build has the ability to not use controllers because accessibility is incredibly important for us because of the different groups that we're we're catering to and um, their needs. But it's all intuitive once you get in it. It's the problem of getting it to that point. And so that's why we are first focusing on facilities, so senior care facilities that have staff members that can facilitate it. For an individual to get started, um, I mean, again, once you're in, it's all intuitive because it's what you naturally would do. You use your hands, you look around. You The, the magic of virtual reality is that you're embodied in this other place. So there's these terms that are thrown around, some from academia, some from uh, the industry, but you know, presence and embodiment. So as I was saying the other day in the presentation, uh, really at the core, the technology just transports you somewhere else. That's what VR does. 
you are in a room, you put on the headset, you're somewhere else. Then everything's built from there. Um, to get for somebody else, it's quite easy at this point. It's surprisingly easy with the the newer headsets. You, um, yeah, you just give them a headset and they walk through the process of onboarding on the on the application. So, for example, the Oculus Quest Two, and then you start downloading apps and trying it out. And unless they did, the designers did a terrible job of explaining their experience, which happens because it's actually really hard to teach people how to do things. Um, in terms of games or in virtual environments, not just virtual reality, but gaming in general on a screen. Um, but you, you know, you get started and you get going. And yeah, one of the one of the really fascinating things is how many things are intuitive because it's not a flat screen that you're pressing buttons on. That's unintuitive until you learn it. Um, it's reaching out and grabbing something. That's something you're already doing in the real world. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome, dude. <laughs> It can be really fun at times. Also, the conversations are pretty comical sometimes I, I during bet. development. So with with the presentation you you just gave, how does VR together, how, how are you guys going and connecting and saying by using, you know, a headset, we'll, we'll say Oculus, by using an Oculus headset, this allows you to do X with your family and friends. So again, like this is almost like one of your presentations. I, I'm I'm just really curious in like on how like you get to solve people's problems and and bridge that generational gap. There's a lot of stigmas that older folks don't know how to use tech well, and younger folks are so tech heavy that they don't have as many people or personal communication skills. So you're you're bridging some of these gaps. So what what does that look like with again VR together as that software being that that bridge or being that solution? Yeah, I'll first address a couple of things you said because they were um they're right, they're correct and they're they're also important and there's a lot of misconception, I think duly so because there's so much that's new and changing all the time. A lot of older adults do struggle with technology, reasonably so if you spent most of your not life not developing any of you never interacting, you know, you didn't organically develop those skills. Um but what we found time and again is that not being comfortable with the technology and not being able to benefit and enjoy the technology are two different things. So th there is that barrier of getting them into a technology and able to use it in such a way that it's not frustrating. And that is more of a challenge with folks who haven't used technology before or not as familiar, but that in no way correlates to them enjoying it less. So once you get them in that experience, we were at this, um, location Ashland Terrace, which is a wonderful facility in Lexington. It's a nonprofit. I think it's been around for a hundred years that um, is a independent living facility for ladies. And, you know, there was a little bit of trepidation by some, some were really interested. I want to try it after the presentation. Others, no, I'm not so. Uh, everybody, once they put it on, they're laughing. They're having a great time. It becomes a social experience in of itself. And so I, we, I, we've got pushback uh, from folks everywhere from when we're talking to older adults to talking to investors, it says they'll never try it. They'll never use it. Um, and the answer is, well, we are cognizant. There is the challenge of, uh, we don't want them to feel, um, we don't want to ever make them feel frustrated or stupid, um, which technology can do at times. Uh, and that's where we build uh, these administrative applications. So we offload all those challenges, but once they're in, they love it. And then our only obligation is to empower them and make sure that we're not doing anything that's frustrating there. 
what you said about intergenerational is, is actually quite interesting because yeah, on the other end, you have people who are so connected to technology. They are, there can be potentially the opposite problem where they're using it too much and it becomes um, potentially negative in their life. What's fascinating about virtual reality is, and, and why we're really excited about being in the healthcare space and health and wellness space is that if you, if you look at VR for entertainment purposes, one of its biggest hurdle is that there's a lot more friction for somebody to use VR for entertainment than to use their phone. It might be more immersive, it might be more excited, but is it gonna get somebody off the couch when they're sitting there on the phone on their couch? But what I think us and a lot of folks who are dealing with in health, wellness, education, training, these kind of improving the quality of life of individuals, its benefits is that you, if it's, you, you give someone an experience for 30, 45 minutes that really changes their day. And so for kids, yes, they might be using too, too much technology, but it's also how you use technology. So if they're using virtual reality to connect with somebody, to share a memorable experience, is what, what we offer in VR together, we found and we're continuing to do through our research to establish and look for, um, you know, kind of find the rigorous data as well. But anecdotally, we already found this it has the opposite effect. It can improve your life and your mood as opposed to being a detractor. It can reduce isolation as opposed to increase isolation. And um, it's funny that you even mentioned inter intergenerational because that's something we look to as well as connecting people both with friends, family members, loved ones, other folks in the residential facility. But then we've got feedback that it's a problem for a lot of grandparents to talk to their grandkids that are younger because they are, they're on Zoom for 30 seconds and then they're off doing something else. And people want in a in more engaging way, something engaging for the grandchild as well. So that's the kind of experience that we're building and fostering is something engaging for them to spend 20, 30 minutes together where they both can have fun, feel physically present and connected. So is this going to be a potential for maybe like grand granddad and, and grandson to like go slay a dragon wearing like the Oculus and like almost how you would nowadays on a PS5 or Xbox One talk with a headset to your friends like, oh, we're, we're like doing this thing together, but... Two people are like, I guess, in the metaverse are physically together doing the thing. Is that the goal? Yes. Although probably <laughs> not so much playing dragon for us. I mean, that's a, that's a really fun thing to do, but um, probably not something we're going to we're going to build. Others will build. But yeah. So initially what we found is that uh, even in a facility, a senior care facility, offering these unique experiences that they can't otherwise have. So. I can't go to the beach. And maybe it's because I'm not going to go for another nine months, logistics of traveling to the beach. Sometimes it's, I don't know if I'm going to get to go to the beach anymore because of health, finances, there's a lot of challenges. Um, to give those opportunities to folks in the facility to, to share together. And it's a social event. So folks, two people might be using the VR headset they see each other as digital avatars and they are in this virtual beach together. But then other people are watching that and that in itself becomes this really exciting and engaging experience that becomes a social event and activity for lots of folks in the facility. Our longer term um, goal, and it really it's not that long term, we have it that we're releasing, uh, we're working right now with various facilities and we're running pilots 
our goal is to launch our business to business solution and around Q3 this year in facilities to foster these social experiences for members in the facility. And then next year, Q2, release the commercial application so that a family member who has a Oculus Quest or whatever device, we want to be, we're, we're building platform agnostic, hardware agnostic. So we want to, we support all the different headsets right now, primarily it's Oculus Quest 2. That will change. I think Apple is at some point, probably in the next year, going to launch their headset. Their first one might be pretty high end, but there's going to be a lot of companies putting out hardware into the space, virtual reality, augmented reality. And what really is going to happen is there's going to be a convergence. So you're going to see high end virtual reality headsets purely for gamers. You're going to see augmented reality that is very much designed to be ubiquitous, low friction, kind of like Google Glass. And then you're going to hear, see these convergent um, kind of hybrid headsets where they you can go full on VR, but then you can also bring in the real world that makes that reduces some of the friction you have now with virtual reality um, and gives you a lot more ability to have experiences. Anyway, a bit of a tangent there on the tech side, but... Um, so once we really release the business to consumer version for our commercial version, then individuals can connect with a loved one in a facility. They would see each other. So one of them may be in a facility in, in Lexington, Kentucky. Let's say the other one is in New York or England. Uh, my artist is in England. So all the time when we have chats about the art in VR together, we're hanging out in VR together. We can give each other high fives. We feel physically connected to each other. We live you know, eight hour plane ride away from one another. Um, and so, and then we build those experiences as to what they do. So it could be as simple as watching a sunset on a beach. It's mostly passive. It could be a more uh, engaging experience. So yeah, you're going uh, on a hike together or you're taking a hot air balloon ride together. And our core technology is built around feeling physically close to that other individual and then sharing that experience together. So when you remember it, and even at the time, I won't get into the research we're doing at UK, but this is part of the research. Um, it's not, oh, I had this cool VR experience. It's, oh, I had this cool VR experience with my grandkid. Yeah, that is so cool. I, I want to figure out how to get this podcast in the VR space. We'll, we'll do that sometime. That'd be fun. And, yeah. I have another random story you probably didn't expect me to to, to give if you about something like VR in a podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah. Why don't you why don't you share it? I'll, it'll it's quick. It's thirty seconds. So cool. I was on a a talk show. So VR chat. Um, most people in VR know that because it's it's a unicorn now. Um, I I don't know what their valuation is, but I think it's north of a couple billion, if not more. Uh, Gosh, and they're they're wow. more they're more than just VR now. But in twenty fifteen. Uh, Gunter, Gunter's Universe, I think was the name. Anyway, I was on a talk show where I talked about Daydream Blue, but the talk show was a virtual reality talk show. There was maybe 10 people in the audience. They were all avatars. I don't know where these people were, but they were avatars in the space. And then there was a talk show host and then me in a, I guess it was the precursor to the metaverse. It was this application doing an interview. It makes me think of the Nintendo Wii, all the, the, the me characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what we could do is we'll have another interview where you'll be in VR okay. together. Great. And we'll do a podcast inside VR together. 
perhaps on a hot air balloon. Uh, that sounds awesome. Uh, figure out a date and make sure we're ready for that release. So, Richie, as we, we wrap up, again, I mentioned at the very beginning that you are a, I feel weird saying this, you're a two-timer of the fellowship program. You've been in twice. What are you hoping to accomplish in the next calendar year of being a part of the Osping Fellowship Program here in Kentucky? Yeah, well, first of all, I'd like to say I'm excited to be in the fellowship program. Do you hear that, Keith? He's excited. <laughs> really excited to be in the program. It's a, it's a great program. Yeah, so over the next year, we are launching VR Together. We're partnering with facilities to deploy it for their residents. We're launching the consumer version. That'll be towards the end of the, our time in the fellowship so that people with devices at home can buy and use VR Together. And then the ability to connect those groups. So the person at home to connect with their loved one in a facility. That's our goal for the fellowship in the next year. So Richie, always, always want to encourage people to support local Kentucky businesses. How can people support VR Together? The best way to follow us right now is just to go to vrtogether.us. That's our website. Or we like to say it's a vrtogether.us. That's awesome. Richie, last, last question. You're a Kentucky entrepreneur. People have stigmas about Kentucky. If you could give any advice to a current entrepreneur or someone who is putting their toe in the water versus taking the full plunge, what would you, what would you say to them? Well, you have to take the plunge. Um, I think that's the only way to really learn and it's rough, but it can be rough and it's scary, but I think you just, you just jump in as for the Kentucky stigma. Uh, I just look at it as strength. I'm strength. I'm proud of, of being from Kentucky and I wasn't always so proud to be from Kentucky. I don't like admitting that, but I think, you know, it's, there's some ridiculous things that sometimes come out of the state, but, um, I'm proud of it. And I, I just think it's a straight strength. I think we're scrappier than a lot of folks. And so I just remember that I just say, I'm a, you know, we're a scrappy group from Kentucky going up against folks from New York or, or the West coast. Um, and we'll beat them because we're scrappier. <laughs> That's it. We're going to end right there. Thanks again for listening to, to scrap your Richie talk about VR together, pump three in the fellowship over the next year. And everyone go support Richie, go buy a headset and go talk with your loved ones on VR together. Yep. Yep. Thanks for having me. Been great. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Awesomings Podcast. And another quick thank you to Lee Rosevere and a few members from our community who provide the music that you hear in this show. Lastly, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. Or even better, come on down to our space. Come be a part of our community and get plugged in. And let's start something awesome together. You guys rock. We'll see you next time.